0: Friends and foes. welcome to Book Club. It's Art Book Club day. I've got visual Nomad here with me. Say hi Jen. Hello, hello. Hi. Today we're talking about mm-hmm. nothing, if not critical, which was a <laughs> which sure was a book that I read and <laughs> yeah. it's um, we, we read this book. So basically the book is by uh, Robert Hughes and it is a collection of 95 essays. That Robert has written mostly for the New York Times over the last, well, from 1980s till the, what was it even earlier? It was like many years, mostly 1980s and onwards uh, through the yeah. 1990s. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's just a bunch of essays, a lot of essays. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the book we read. We read this book. Um, it, first off, my favorite question, did you finish the
1: book? No, I did not finish the book. <laughs> Me neither.
0: I did not read all of this yeah. book. I started. I did not either. <laughs> <laughs> I I was like, when I first picked it up, I was like, there's no way I'm going to read all 95 of these essays. I Because right. at one point I was like, I'm going to count how many. Because it doesn't tell you anywhere in the book how many there are. But I was like, I can do numbers. Right. Um. So I basically picked all the essays of people, like artists that I already knew about and read those ones. Okay, yeah right that was my strategy how did you go through it
1: um I just kind of bounced around kind of the same concept of like oh I kind of know about this person let's see what he has to say about them you know kind of thing so yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I started when I was first reading
0: it like when I first picked it up I was just started from the very beginning and just kept going through but yeah very quickly was like Mm -hmm. I don't really care about this artist (laughs) right Um, right yeah, it's organized into uh, segments of history, basically. So it goes through, mm-hmm. and where is the index? Here we go. So it starts off with ancestors, <laughs> and then it goes into 19th century artists, and then it goes into modernism, and the Americas, and contemporaries. I, I'm going to admit, I didn't even get to the contemporary section, because I was too busy reading about Van Gogh and colonialism, and <laughs> I, so I'm sure there's some really great ones in there that I just haven't gotten to yet. But overall, um, overall, I, I didn't love that this book is a book. I I feel like yeah, I feel like this book has given me FOMO for events that happened in 1980. And oh no, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wish I could have been to, there to that one. Or like, or the other thing that happened was I would read an an essay and just feel like I think you had to be there. I, I think right, you, you just right. had to be there. To like it
1: right yeah and well and i mean like some of it he's writing in present tense like there are shows that are going on in the museums in new york city and he's mm-hmm. referring to those because he's writing for the times you know right. so it's so we new know newspapers. it's an article for yeah, the really. yeah, newspaper so um so some of it is yeah like he's referring to things that are happening present day but yeah like it, i think it's his perspective on how america um has gotten to where it is with art is extremely insightful like he kind of summed up like you think about all these things but to like put it together as a cohesive thought and get it down on paper like he did that like why why is america the way it is with not only art, but how that reflects how we are with pretty much everything in society, in our society. Mm -hmm. And how did we get there? Like, why, why are we that way? There's some, yeah, it boils down to like, literally America is like a adolescent child. (laughs) And at the very beginning, it was like, A toddler and when a toddler doesn't want to do something it throws a fit and tries to do whatever it wants and you have to teach it boundaries well america broke away from england which could be considered the parent Mm -hmm. and they said no we're going to be different we're going to be different than europe we're not going to be them anymore and it drove us in this direction of it, it it becomes mechanical at some point yeah, um, and the art market just made that even worse. Like it just, it wasn't about the skill or the craft of sculpting, painting, drawing, creating visual mediums, that kind of thing. It was more about the perceived value of something in a social context of like, basically, like I'm on the playground and I have a toy and I'm here to. Stump and say my toy is better than your toy (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's just like (laughs) when you look at how we've like reacted as a society society you go oh my gosh it's so true like we're just petulant sometimes in what we're doing and we just do the opposite just because (laughs) like for no other good reason than just because (laughs) i do you know if uh robert is still alive
0: i do not know
1: i have no idea
0: let me i'm gonna look that up really quick i'm i'm, I'm asking because yeah, yeah. i feel like some of the things you talked about i'm like you would be even yeah. madder,
1: sir if you knew about it now oh <laughs> yeah it's like it, even though it was written in the 90s like it is still totally relevant especially the beginning of the book it's extremely relevant i was mm-hmm. like i kept asking myself was this written in the 2000s or like when was it written So, yeah, it's wild. He died in 2012, so 10 years ago. Okay,
0: all right. Um, Yeah, it felt very contemporary, especially the introduction, especially his Mm -hmm. essays that were more about, um, like, there's a couple that aren't about specific shows or just about art in general. Um, And you're like, Mm -hmm. you're reading them and you're just like... Yeah, this is this is what it's still like, and also you would be so much madder now. Like one time he talks oh, about yeah. um, an auction that happened, and he's like, "And this art piece of artwork sold for like this much money, and that's just absurd." And right. like blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, "Yikes!"
1: <laughs> right?
0: No, it's worse. It's right. worse now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and he just talks about how, um, you know, art was something for the public like Mm -hmm. it was a way of chronicling what happened during that time it was also a reflection of the local life that was there you know you talk about pompeii
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: he talks about italy all the different places in italy and that's why italy is like so fascinating to painters and has been is because each one of those places is unique to itself you have to be there to see that and experience it the way it's supposed to be experienced Mm -hmm. and like we don't have that anymore like we don't we just have like this global perspective and it's just become this like oh well let's just turn this into art you know there's no meaning to it it's just like a social icon or whatever you know
0: yeah i definitely feel a sort of indifference sometimes when I'm looking at artwork when it's not in its Mm -hmm. place of origin. I was traveling Mm a couple of weeks ago. I went to Berlin with my partner and a bunch of friends and I had a lot of fun, but I also went to a lot of art museums. And I had a moment when at one of the national galleries there, they have a huge collection of Egyptian art. I had a moment Mm. where I was like probably like three hours into like looking at work at this place where I was just like, this just feels like the same as everything else I've ever looked at in this kind of collection of mm. style of work. And I feel right. no connection here. And I think mm. it's because I am not in the place where it was originally intended to be or like, sure. I it just, and, I, and I've, I thought about that for a moment. I thought about how I just feel that way about certain styles of artwork and I've felt that way in the past Mm. um, about maybe historical objects or things like that. And I just like, if I had been the target audience for this in the space where it was created or it had like even some sort of content, like um, I don't know, sentiment that I could feel towards Mm. this thing in that space. And I wasn't just looking at this Mm -hmm. thing that was stolen by somebody Um, there's that. It it would, it would have been, it would
1: have been felt better. I I don't know. That's a tangent Mm. I just went on, but. So in light of what you just said. Yeah. Let me ask this question. Yeah. Recently, there has been a lot of repatriation of objects to their origin countries. Yes. And locales. Yes. Do you think that that is gonna shift the way we view art
0: i think it already has and um as a whole yeah um i okay this was like a big thing in germany because germans are all Mm -hmm. about remembrance culture and about righting wrongs at the moment Mm, like especially when i was at in berlin Every single mm-hmm. museum and every tag on every object on every single museum I went to talked about the origin of where they got it, whether or not it was gotten fairly okay. or not, and whether or not they had tried to right. return it, and whether or not the person had accepted it back or didn't want it anymore, or if it was on loan. Uh, every okay. single tag, like thousands and thousands right. and thousands and thousands. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. And when I went to the Seattle Art Museum recently, I saw about a bit of this too, where I was like, this was mm-hmm. originally donated by this person who wrongfully got it from these people who have mm-hmm. now loaned it to us, and we are paying them for to keep this here for the next couple of years okay. until they've built their wherever they want to have it. Um, okay. And like, so I think that sort of reparation rep, rep, is that the word I want rep, reparation, reappropriation, reappropriation culture is like it's like changing. It's things are definitely different, mm. and where the origin of something is, and like how it was acquired by places where you're just like should these people be having this like this this seems like a weird thing to be why is this here (laughs) how did it get here right that is one of the first thoughts for a lot of people when you're looking at especially historical work Mm -hmm. i was thinking like what
1: yeah because what i'm thinking of is like now we will actually have to travel to that place to see that artwork in person And we will be able to get it within some form of context of that area that it's, um, that it was intended to be in. Uh, We will be able to see it more truthfully than what we have in the past at, say, you know, the British Museum or Smithsonian or anything like that. You know, um, I just wonder how it's going to influence our understanding of art. Um, I don't think it'll ever shift. go back all the way to that where you're like, you okay. have to go to Egypt
0: to see Egyptian work because a lot of the places okay. that at least from what I saw when I was traveling just like a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. a lot of the places had, they like say they had like a, a coffin, like a mummy coffin or something like that. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Being very vague here, but that's just my example. Uh, they were like, Hey do you want this back? And a lot of these places have been like right. no, we don't want it back. you okay. can keep it there and like or you can like with our permission or it's on loan. so I don't think it'll ever go right. all the way backwards like you must travel okay. to Egypt to see something Egyptian um not because of lack of trying to put it back but you know
1: right. So I think because yeah, I know that yeah. they've they specifically uh Egypt specifically has been very um ravenous about reclaiming the artwork for museums. Right. Um same with like Italy and those places, you know, Greece, the marbles, the Elgin marbles are a huge point of contention right now. They sure are. Um like why the heck are they why are they in England? Like how did Lord Elgin get a hold of these marbles? Like, did he just like walk in and he's like, I want that, that, and that, and load them up and let's go. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of disgusting to see the imperialism of it all, you know?
0: <laughs> You're making me think I should change the next book we we're going to read because I do have a book mm. on the docket where... We talk about this, but I'm, I'm like, okay, this should be the next book or
1: I I mean, (laughs) it's up to you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Keep ruminating on this. I was like, we can, we can get to both eventually. Um, Mm -hmm. interesting. Anyways, um, back to nothing if not critical here. Did you have a uh, favorite essay of the ones you read?
1: Um, not, I mean, like the beginning of the book to me was like super profound. Um, I did like in the part where uh, he talks about John Singer Sargent. Uh, where is that? I believe it was Sargent. Maybe not.
0: He does have an essay on Sargent that I
1: read too. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where. This
0: is one of those books where if you are going to read it, you should read it with the internet open so you can look up pictures of everything before
1: you read the essay. Just saying. That's my, <laughs> my caveat. <copycat. laughs> yeah. Oh, uh he talks about um perception and this kind of ties into something that's current. So he talks about um viewing different shows that are up at the moment and he talks about Alex Katz hmm. and how the, you know, they've lauded him as this fantastic artist and whatnot, okay? I find it hilarious in light of the fact that they just did a retrospective at Guggenheim on Alex Katz and they literally crapped all over him and really? said that he was basically a horrible artist when they got all of his art like towards the end of his life they're like his art was garbage and I'm like dude like it's a perfect microcosm of the fact that it's like the art world and market is so finicky they're just like no you're not the cool kid on the playground anymore sorry you know, and how the turntables? Wow. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's it's funny because like I know myself as an artist, I see like I'm pushed to compare myself, even though I try not to. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been pitted against each other as artists for no better reason than to make some kind of competition to stir up um, drama that brings you know optics for whoever is trying to sell art or whatever and we miss the fact of how fickle they are mm-hmm. like when you're dead they'll say whatever they want about you like that's you no of crappy it is crappy but yeah we're we like We kill ourselves and fall over ourselves to try to make these people happy, and it's like why? Like, it's so exhausting. Yeah, and what's the point? (laughs) It's like the '80s T-shirt that you had as a kid that you threw in the back of the closet that you still have, and all of a sudden the '80s are cool again, and they pull you out, Mm -hmm. and they're like, "Look at my cool shirt! It's original! It's vintage!" You know, slap that vintage tag on it. And it's just like, oh, so you just meet a need, like, to be cool, basically, when it comes down to it.
0: I've been it's just,
1: yeah. thinking about this
0: idea lately, and it keeps going over and over in my head, about making art to sell and make money versus making art to, mm-hmm. because I want to make it. And I've thought about yeah. this in general terms over and over again. But it's like, Mm -hmm. I feel, I was watching a very particular, a particular artist on Instagram who, um, I really like her abstract work and I think it's quite good. And then she started making these other kinds of abstractions that were like, uh, she's calling them like palette paintings. And they Mm -hmm. are, when I like look at her like engagement numbers that you can do just by clicking insights and stuff, um, it's like, She's getting like triple the views on these things that are taking her like Mm. no time at all to make. And I'm like, as like a marketer, my brain immediately thought, oh, you should, you should only work on these. You should not do the other kind of art Mm. that I fell in love and followed her for. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm like, these will make you so much more money. And then you'll have to try less in the future to do it. And I just, it's a funny thing in my brain. I'm like, do I like this thought about myself that I'm thinking this Mm. way? Do I that I'm thinking in the terms of what right. will the market like? What will sell better? But also, you know, an artist has got to make money. So I'm not judging her for making these other things. I'm just thinking, oh, that's that's interesting that she's doing this. But she's not... Right. I, I,
1: It's a weird well, time to be I an think, artist. Right. So, and we've talked about this, I think, with the last book that we yeah. read. This was kind of brought up of the fact of um it's drilled into us that um sorry i'm i'm losing the thought here um
0: selling art to to make money versus making art because
1: oh you're called like right well and there's this there's this kind of like this stigma amongst artists that uh don't sell out like, mm-hmm. if you make money, you're selling out. Like, you have to be this tortured artist in order to be considered legit, quote-unquote. And, yeah, you know, I dealt with that at the beginning of when I started, you know, like, seriously painting. And, you know, like, I want to be true to, you know, this thing in me and, you know, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be the different artist. I'm not going to sell out, you know? And it's just like, is it really selling out or is it just another outlet of your creativity? You know, it's not any different than how you create another painting that personally may mean a little bit more to you. Right. But you're still creating that piece. Like it still took, effort for you to come up with that concept and to work through it I want to know who taught me that selling
0: your work could be you are not as good as an artist like
1: where when when did
0: that happen and how did it happen so Mm -hmm. aggressively that I still fight with it to this day even though I have a small business Mm -hmm. selling artwork I
1: that's it's it's beat into us in college it's this romantic concept of starving artist yeah and then when it actually happens you're like this sucks Sucks. Like, forget this i'm not gonna starve i don't and i've come to the point where i'm like i don't care if they call me a sellout like i really don't i can't I, yeah I can't. exactly
0: i don't think you're a sellout i think you're just a good businesswoman right
1: <laughs> right well and it comes back to that that age-old Competition thing of Mm -hmm. like, I'm better than this person or that person. And it's all judged on how much I sell, you know, or how much my work sells for. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous because it's all subjective. It's subjective. It's all based on somebody that probably doesn't know anything about art. And they're just like, I think this is cool.
0: Calling people a sellout is a cop out for actually looking at their
1: work with any intelligence, is my opinion. Right. (laughs) right and like seven days in the art world like she talks about the the gallery owners that she sat down with and they basically did this thing over dinner like oh are we cool with this person or that person right had nothing to do with their work had everything to do with well do i like tom or do i like jim and you're like what like i thought that was true but then when i hear that it is you're like really? it's Really? Gross. That's how this, this goes down. Like, I spend thousands of dollars on a master's degree and it comes down to two dudes at a dinner with somebody else and they just flippantly decide who is going to make it and who isn't. That's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. It's it's a lot. And at, at one
0: point, I'm going to be, I feel like in my future, I'm going to be like, am I the person at the table making these decisions? Like, will I know mm. if I'm the person at the table making this decision? Like, mm. am I contributing to this kind of thing? Probably. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. My family works in real estate. And right. if there's one thing I learned is that sentiment is what sells. And relationships is what yeah. makes a sale. And I think it's a universal yeah. concept. And Oh, sure. It, it just gets... The more, I guess, famous or infamous you are, I think it gets more compounded. And the mm. moment you enter the secondary market, it's like, oh, your reputation is something that can be like measured in dollars. <laughs> and, like Oh it's absolutely yeah. It's wild. And I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to be there. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> sounds exhausting. Right. Um yeah, it's it's yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah could talk about this all day um (laughs)
1: it's it's
0: a lot um my favorite essay in this one was about giorgio mirandi who is one of my favorite painters um he's an italian artist lived in bologna for his whole life was kind of a hermit never really followed any sort of trend um in fact to the point where people were like hey you want to come hang out and he was like no i have to paint my four bottles that i have in my studio because he painted bottles and vases and they all got dusty and he was just like obsessively worked on that for his entire career and i learned something new about him which was that he scraped out most of his paintings and one time he was interviewed by a journalist not not robert here but someone else and he pointed to his Mm -hmm. easel and he's like well there's where most of my paintings are and on his easel is just like a mound of scraped off paintings just like paint just Built up on his giant easel, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's an art. That's an artist for art's sake. That is
1: that is a oh, painter's yeah. painter." <laughs> I don't have can. I guess I'm gonna have to sacrifice one. Love it. it. Right.
0: Love it. So that was kind of fun. Um, right. I I did have a, a thought part way through of I don't know how factual all of these essays are now. Um, mm. from like the the facts that you know, the author is telling me about, I'm like, is this true? Um, Is this what you simply knew of at the time? Is there anything else uncovered about this person? Especially how often the artist talked about the, sorry, how often the author talked about the artist's like sexuality and their personal lives and things like that. And I'm like, for like the contemporary, I don't know. I'm almost like, do I believe all these facts about these artists? I don't know. I don't know how accurate (laughs) we are it did they did go into the new york times so i'm assuming that was some sort of fact checking here but this is
1: also the 1980s and 90s so what do you think well and i think that's i think that's what made andy warhol so intriguing is that they tried to pin him down and put him in a box right and his favorite thing to do was turn that on its head every <laughs> interview an interaction he ever had with anybody. Mm -hmm. He was never somebody you could pin down. There were only maybe two or three people in his whole life that really knew who Andy was outside of this caricature that he had created for himself, this persona. Right. That was his public facing, you know, persona to people that he encountered, you know, be it business or whatever. He was a very, um, very shy, very intimidated human being, uh, when it came to, you know, the public at mass, like it scared him, you know, Mm -hmm. he was, he was from a, a very quiet town in Pennsylvania, um, poverty and, you know, he didn't have a lot and, you know, people, Like, say stuff about the soup cans and how, like, unimaginative it is and blah, blah, blah. The story behind it is Andy Warhol ate Campbell's soup every day of his life. It was a staple for him. It was how he grounded himself as a human being, I think, in the midst of all of that chaos that was, like, around him. All these people that wanted to get at him. It was oh, well, I always sat down with my mom and we had a can of soup because we didn't have much, but this is what we had. Yep. And he he truly enjoyed it. Like, that was his thing. And it's just like, when you hear that meaning behind the Campbell soup and like, it was, um, it was an homage to something that he loved. Like, mm-hmm. it was personal to him. Like, when you hear that, you're like, oh, I guess they aren't so bad. Like, that's kind of cool that he did that, you know? It is pretty cool.
0: See, I didn't read the Andy Warhol interview. Was that in the interview or the? No, uh...
1: that was actually on a uh, a Netflix special that they did. They did oh, a documentary. That's pretty cool. Um, oh, it's fantastic. If you get a chance to watch it, it's really, really interesting. I like it. I like um, it. Yeah, he had somebody come in and basically document his life towards the end of his life. Brad, um, once he once he came down. Well, he got shot, and at that point, I think he had somebody come in and start writing for him, because he almost died, and it scared him. Um, you never know so when the yeah. end is.
0: Speaking of oh, yeah. the end, um, the number <laughs> of artists that died in their mid-30s is alarming. I- oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. If someone has died by the time um, Robert Hughes has talked about them in this in, in his essays, he's going to tell you how they died and when they died, if he he knows it. And I was like, "Right, this person died at 32 and this person died at 37 and this time I was like, oh
1: jeez. I'm 32, I don't like this. (laughs) Right. Well, and and it's tough. Like, I mean, be it, you know, the World War II era that they came out of where they just didn't have much and they got by with what they had um, or... You know, the eighties where drugs and AIDS was prevalent and people were dying and um yeah. I mean there were multiple factors that led into that. But yeah, it's it's wild to know how many people have passed away at such a young age. Right? I'm like, Oh man, if you had only lived a couple more years, imagine how much more art we would have. Anyways. I know, right?
0: there is a line in this book that I really <laughs> liked. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it was, I forgot where it was towards the beginning. I should have highlighted it, but I forgot. Um, but it says, it, it's the the topic is um, seeing artwork in person and how it really changes versus seeing it in a printable form, like a magazine right. or, right. you know, for us on the internet. And Robert mm-hmm. Hughes says in this, in one of the essays, he says, you can... You can read Voltaire at home, but you must go to Rome to see paintings. And I feel mm-hmm. like that really encompassed a lot of this book where yeah. it's talking yeah. about how you can, writers are lucky. You can read these things at your house and still get the you know full effect of this book. You might not be where they were written, but you can get quite a bit out of it. But to see mm-hmm. a piece of art and fully feel what it's like to to be in its presence and see the details and everything, you Mm got to go to where they are. And we are in a much more advanced stage of the internet now than Robert Hughes was in the 1980s. And, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing reproductions online are pretty great. They're really detailed. You can go to any museum website and see some great reproductions, but it's still not the same as seeing art in person. And I feel like a lot of what Robert Hughes talked about in all these essays is go to the show go to the show he was writing about Mm -hmm. like he's writing reviews about these shows to get you to go to them because they're great right Um, or or they work good but you should go anyways because that's kind of fun and (laughs) i i really liked that line out of this book and i i thought oh yeah you gotta go places you gotta feed your artist and feed your eyes and learn how to see by looking at
1: work in person it's kind of fun well and it is it's, it's so different because, like, it, it's the scale of things yeah. that makes it so different. Like, you see Jenny Savile's work on the internet, and it doesn't do it justice because the size of the piece is what makes it so unbelievable. These paintings mm-hmm. are, like, 15 or 20 feet high, 10 feet wide. They're massive paintings. Massive amazing it takes her whole body to to make these paintings and it's just like when you stand in front of that and it just like the painting just kind of envelops you it's a completely different experience than like you said you know seeing it on a slide or seeing it in a magazine or something like that it's just it's on your different. desktop on your cell phone sure it's totally different sure yeah detail or not it you just can't get the scope mm-hmm. you can't Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i i feel like i sell a lot more artwork when i can show it in person it's a lot easier for me to sell than online and i i I just i feel that i'm like how do i get more physical eyeballs on my artwork Mm. (laughs) and um my response to that was to apply to a bunch of things this week so i did that while i was out with the cold or the flu and um (laughs) that that was fun it's kind of it's kind of fun like maybe I'll get rejected. That'll be exciting.
1: We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's it's daunting, but yeah, it's it's exhilarating sometimes. Yeah. It's absolutely. <laughs> um overall, I'm rating this book a three
0: out of five. I didn't read all of it, but what I read, that's how I felt about it.
1: Yeah, I would give it the same. I'd give it a three out of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I think it's it's a little tough of a read um just because i mean like you said there's 90 some essays in this book so many (laughs) that's bonkers it's more of a catalog than anything i don't think he ever meant anybody to read it in one sitting right because it was not written like that so this is absolutely um, a book you should uh pick up look at the index pick an artist you like read that and then put the book down like that's that's how you should do it (laughs) i mean i think it'd be kind of cool if you just like kept it as a coffee table book Mm -hmm. where you just like or if you like kept it in the bathroom where you were just like oh I'm here for a few minutes let's read this section on so and so right Um, you know you said coffee table book and I think that's genius
0: they should put Mm -hmm. the essays next to beautiful reproductions of whatever picture is
1: most important yeah like that would be gorgeous or if they like talk about a work like put the picture of the work in there yeah New York Times
0: don't sleep on this right because i know you're listening to this podcast anyways
1: (laughs) all right yeah they are (laughs) any final thoughts on this book um no i just think um even though i don't think he was trying to be as insightful as he was he was so insightful as to how things were going to play out in the future yeah like if you would have told me that in the 90s i'd have been like what what like no there's no way like i was in high school in the 90s so like i could have cognitively had that conversation with him and i've been like no you know but to see it now like how internet has changed everything 2012 came instagram and facebook happened and life has never been the same never it's wild it's a good time yeah it's nuts it's nuts it's nuts all right,
0: are you ready for the next book?
1: Yeah. All What's right. The next book.
0: This is a book from a series that we started of essays. It's called Hot Topics in the Art World, and we're going to read Curating Art Now. This is by Okay Lillian right. Cameron, and you can find the book okay. here on Amazon. And uh, it's a hundred pages or so. It's an it's an essay. Okay. Oh, what happened there? Okay, there we go. Never back. Um, and. <laughs> I think it was going to be fun. We read Censored Art Today, which is number five right. of that series. And I, we both really liked that book. So I thought, why not pick another one? They also have yeah. another book or another essay in this collection about restitution, which
1: oh is yeah, yeah, yeah the return
0: of cultural artifacts. I think we should read that right. soon. But this time, we're going to learn about curation. I thought it'd be fun after reading a book about essays about shows that have already happened and just kind of keep this train developing. So that's our next book. Sounds good. It's going to be good. We have a week less to read this book. So that's why I picked a short one. Um, we will be meeting okay. next uh, at the normal time, which is um, October, second week of Oct- second Sunday of October. Second Sunday of October, which is October 8th. Um, okay. Yeah, it'll be great. Thanks for nice. hanging out with me today. It's been, I love book
1: clubs. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Club it's like the best me part too. of the month.
1: <laughs> I know, right? You get to have those nerdy conversations. People can listen to us. They're amazing. <laughs> Jennifer, where can people find you? You can find me at visualnomad.art and also here on Twitch at visual visualnomad. I will be streaming again eventually once I get yes. this blocking done on my painting. Yes, so I will be back on. So yeah, I, I take hiatus here and there, depending on what I'm working on. So but I always come back. You gotta you gotta take breaks. And you know, you gotta keep keep people yeah. on their toes and be
0: like, will she stream? I know, right? Maybe. I know, right? If you pray hard enough. Gotta um, keep what? them wanting. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Stephanie Scott.art on Instagram. That's also my website art book club happens every second sunday at 3 p.m pacific time and um you should you should get the book curating art now and read it with us and then come to book club and tell us what you think of it because it's i'm sure it's going to be some juicy things about this one because you know you gotta you gotta all right friends these books are so good yeah they're so good good. they're so good um if you are listening uh we would appreciate a, a review if you want to leave us a five star or a thumbs up mm-hmm. or whatever the system is for wherever you're listening th- to this that would be super it helps us reach more Touch artists
1: that subscribe button hit, hit and that subscribe. notification
0: bell <laughs> <laughs> actually well, that'd be great <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and subscribe bye